beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's striking to read about Israel's responses to the Lord's wonderful works on their behalf. God set them free from slavery in Egypt. He protected his people from Pharaoh and his armies by drowning them in the Red Sea. He gave them victory over their enemies as they traveled on the way to the Promised Land. God provided all their physical needs in the midst of a dry and dusty desert land. And yet God's people don't show much thankfulness. Instead, they grumble and complain. When Pharaoh and his armies pursued the Israelites at the Red Sea, the people said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in this wilderness? They grumbled about a lack of drinkable water at Merah. Later they grumbled about not having meat to eat. Their grumbling was incessant. It never stopped. In Numbers 14.22, the Lord says that Israel has put him to the test these ten times. God's patience with his people was tested and tried by Israel's response to the Lord's goodness. Last week in number 16, we saw how Israel's grumbling and complaining turned into outright rebellion against the Lord. As a result, God's anger was aroused and fire from heaven struck down the 250 community leaders who rebelled. And the earth also swallowed up Dathan and Abiram and those who associated with them. But even this did not end the grumbling. The next day the people grumbled that Moses and Aaron had killed the people of the Lord. The Lord sent a plague that killed 14,700 people before Aaron was able to intercede for them and turn God's anger away from them. In our text, we see how the Lord addresses the issue of grumbling in a more permanent way. The Lord wants to deal with His people's rebellion against the leaders He had appointed. He requires the leaders of each of the twelve tribes to submit His staff with His name written on it. The Lord would cause one of these twelve dead sticks of wood to sprout. Through this miracle, the Lord would indicate who His chosen leader was. Our text is not just about ancient history. It teaches us about the sinfulness of the human heart, about how easy it is for us to grumble and complain when things are not going as well as we expected them to go for us in life. It helps us to see what grumbling really is, that it's an attack on the grace and the goodness of God. The sign of Aaron's sprouting staff is significant, for it directs us to Christ, to His redeeming and renewing work. The goal of our text is to help us come to the point where we learn to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. The Lord performs a miraculous sign by causing Aaron's staff to sprout. We'll consider the purpose of this miraculous sign and the significance of this miraculous sign. Number 16 showed us how Israel's grumbling and complaining turned into outright rebellion against the Lord. Certain leaders in the camp were not content with the place God had assigned them. They accused Moses and Aaron of appointing themselves 
to the leadership positions in Israel. The whole congregation rose up with these leaders against Moses and Aaron. God stopped the revolt against Moses and Aaron by bringing judgment upon the leaders of the rebellion. He did so by supernatural means. The earth opened up. It swallowed Dathan and Abiram and their households. Fire from heaven struck down and killed Korah and others, offering incense before the Lord. And later a plague struck the people who continued to grumble against Moses and Aaron. The plague was only stopped by Aaron presenting an incense offering for the people and making atonement for them. By destroying Korah and his followers, and by responding to the intercession of Aaron, the Lord made it clear that Aaron was the lawfully ordained high priest in Israel. Yet the Lord knew that he needed to reinforce this lesson so his people would understand. Unless God dealt with this issue decisively, it would continue to come back again and again. Grumbling is like a chronic sickness in that it's habit-forming and addictive. If it's not confronted and dealt with, it just goes on and on. In C.S. Lewis's novel, The Great Divorce, he imagines a group of inhabitants from hell on a trip to the outskirts of heaven. He describes a woman who began as a grumbler, and he shows what happened to her. It began with her being in a grumbling mood, but still distinct from it and able to criticize it. But her grumbling took a hold of her, so that the day came she no longer had the ability to criticize herself or repent of it. All that was left was the grumble itself, going on forever like a machine. On the surface, much of Israel's grumbling was directed against Moses and Aaron. Yet, beloved, grumbling is not just an attack on those around us that we're complaining against. In the end, grumbling is an assault on the being, on the character of God. Let me explain. We confess God's providence that by His fatherly hand, he rules over all things. We believe that our lives are completely in God's control. So when we grumble, we're saying, God has shortchanged me. If God was truly good, He would have given me a better job, or a more attractive spouse, or more money, or better looks, or whatever it is that our heart desires. I know that we won't often put it in precisely those terms. But grumbling always involves a poor me attitude. It feels like we got a raw shake in life. Since God's the one in charge of our lives, we're basically attacking His goodness, His faithfulness, His love. Beloved, if that is your attitude, it's going to affect your relationship with the Lord. God created us to live in communion with Him. The Westminster Shorter Catechism begins with a famous question and answer. It asks, what is the chief 
purpose of man? The answer is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Yet when we grumble and complain, we do the opposite of glorifying God. Instead of expressing our thanks and praise, we blame Him for our experience of life. We rob God of the glory due to His name. And at the same time, we miss out on much joy in life. Grumbling is like shooting yourself in the foot. You rob yourself of being satisfied in God. Ultimately, beloved, satisfaction in life does not come from our outward circumstances. There are many supremely successful people who seem to have it all and are yet desperately unhappy. True joy in life only comes from knowing Christ and His love. You can be content even during trouble and sorrow. James 1 verse 2 tells us to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. 1 Peter 1 6 tells us to rejoice in the hope that we have based on Christ's resurrection from the dead. Even though now, for a little while, we may be grieved by various trials. Even in the midst of trials and hardships, it is possible to enjoy God, to live in close fellowship with Him. Israel was in danger of becoming a continuous grumble. And so the Lord wanted to confront this problem once for all. He does so by addressing the source of Israel's grumbling. In number 16, we saw that Korah and his followers had problems with the fact that Aaron was the designated high priest and that his family were the ones who presented offerings to the Lord on behalf of all Israel. He and the other rebels charged Moses and Aaron with appointing themselves as leaders, with being in leadership for their own personal power and glory. In our text, the Lord proposes a simple and practical test to determine who his appointed leaders were. One leader from each tribe was to present Moses with a staff with his name inscribed on it. And likewise, Aaron was also to put his staff with his name on it and give it to Moses. A staff is a branch cut from a tree. It was often used as an aid for walking. Yet in the Bible, a person's staff is a symbol of their authority and power. For example, it's through his staff that God commanded Moses to perform many of the miraculous signs so that Pharaoh would let his people go. Moses put all these staffs in the tent of meeting in front of the ark at night to see what would happen to them. The Lord said, The staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout. The rods of the other men would just remain dead sticks. In this way, the Lord would make clear whom he had appointed to serve as priests in Israel. And then the Lord explains the purpose of this miraculous sign. Verse 5 reads, Thus I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. In our text, we see a miracle take place. The night before, twelve dead sticks of wood were placed in front of the ark where God's presence dwelt. 
And in the morning, one of the 12 staffs had miraculously come to life. You can imagine the awe of the leaders of the 12 tribes as they gather around to have a look. Aaron's rod has sprouted. What had been a dead stick of wood was now amazingly alive. This was a miraculous intervention by God himself. We see that in the details of what happened to Aaron's rod. It not only sprouted leaves, it also budded. There were a good number of flower blossoms. More than that, there were also ripe almonds. Branches of the fruit tree don't normally have buds and flowers and fruit on them all at the same time. But God performed a mighty sign to show that he had chosen Aaron and his sons to serve as priests before him throughout the generations. To confirm this miracle, the Lord commands that Aaron's staff be placed in the tabernacle before the Ark of the Testimony. While the other leaders had their staffs returned to them, Aaron does not. The Lord wants his people to remember what had happened when they challenged the leaders he appointed. The Lord said Aaron's staff was to be kept as a sign for the rebels, that you may make an end of their grumbling against me, lest they die. Beloved, nowhere in the Bible do we have a command from God. You shall not grumble or you shall not complain. Yet our text makes clear how loathsome, how detestable grumbling is to our God. Grumbling is an attack on His grace and goodness, His love and faithfulness. Grumbling gets in the way of us living in close fellowship with the Lord. The next time that you're frustrated or upset, think about that. Understand what you're about to do. Critique yourself. Stop the grumble before it gets started. Grumbling robs God of His glory and us of enjoying Him. It brings us to our second point, and it will consider the significance of this miraculous sign. It's great that God gave His people a miraculous sign that showed that He had chosen Aaron to serve as priest. But how was this supposed to put a stop to Israel's grumbling? It might resolve their latest issue with the leaders God had appointed over them. But in their desert wanderings, there were so many other things to grumble and complain about. Just think about camping in a dry and dusty place. And doing that not just for a few weeks, but for month after month and year after year. The sun and the sand and the monotony would get to anyone eventually to answer the question of how this miraculous sign was supposed to stop Israel's grumbling, we need to look more closely at the sign itself. The sign of Aaron's budding staff didn't just indicate that God had chosen him and his sons to serve as priests before him. If God wanted to indicate that Aaron's staff was the chosen one, he could have caused it to stand up aright while all the other staffs bowed down to it. Instead, God caused a dead piece of wood to show incredible signs of fruitfulness. Aaron's staff sprouted, budded, blossomed, and bore fruit overnight. 
and it didn't bear just any kind of fruit. It bore almonds. Do you know of anywhere else in the Bible where you find a miniature tree with almond flowers and buds? Well, you find that in the lampstand in the tabernacle. Exodus 25 describes how it was constructed. There was a lampstand with seven branches. The cups were shaped like almond flowers, and the buds were to be under the branches. The lampstand was a miniature almond tree with symbols of fruitfulness on it. It stood on the table that was placed between the Holy of Holies where God dwelt and the holy place where the priests ministered. The lampstand shed light over the twelve loaves representing the twelve tribes of Israel. The symbolic function of the lampstand was to shine forth God's blessings on His people. It's striking to note the response of the people when they see the miracle of Aaron's staff turning into an almond branch. The people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish. We are undone. We're all undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Are we all to perish? Their response is very similar to that of Isaiah when he comes into the heavenly court. Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am an, a man of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The people finally understood the foolishness of Korah's revolt. He presumed that just anyone could come into God's presence. He figured that there would be no problem with him and his followers coming before God to offer incense. But God is holy, and we all as human beings are sinful. For us to come before God, someone has to mediate on our behalf. In Israel, God had appointed the house of Aaron to minister as priests before him. They were the ones who presented sacrifices and offerings on behalf of the people. It was through their ministry that the people could approach God. As believers living in the New Testament, we know that Aaron's priesthood was a temporary measure. The sacrifices and offerings he presented pointed forward to the need for a final, once-for-all sacrifice. In various ways, the Old Testament foreshadowed the coming of Jesus Christ to serve as our ultimate mediator. The idea of a shoot sprouting forth is used to picture the coming of Christ. In Isaiah 11, the prophet said, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. It was a prophecy that the Messiah would come from the line of David, according to God's promises. The fact that Aaron's staff turned into an almond branch is very significant. It pointed Israel back to the lampstand in the tabernacle. That lampstand was a miniature almond tree, shining God's light on his people in the tabernacle. It's a picture of God blessing his people richly, of them dwelling in peace and prosperity and fruitfulness before him. And so the almond branch was a symbol that pointed forward to Jesus Christ. 
for it's only in him and through him that we are able to live in peace with God. It's only in Jesus Christ that God blesses us with fruitfulness. Remember, Aaron's staff had once been a living branch of a tree, but it had been cut off. It had died. That's why Aaron was able to use his staff as an aid for walking. It was a firm stick of dried wood. Yet God performed a miracle. He caused this dead stick to come wonderfully alive. Beloved, in a vivid way, that pictures the work of Christ for us. Jesus was a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his roots. But he was cut off from the land of the living. Jesus died. He was even buried. But God performed an awesome miracle. He caused Jesus to be raised from the dead. Aaron's sprouting staff therefore points us to Jesus. It points specifically to his death and resurrection. The coming to life of Aaron's staff marked Aaron as God's chosen leader and high priest. Similarly, the coming to life again of the dead Jesus marks Jesus Christ as God's great leader, as his ultimate high priest. Israel thought that they were going to die because they came near to God at the tabernacle. But Aaron's mediation allowed them to live. In and of ourselves, we also deserve to die if we were to appear before God. But as our reading from 1 Peter 1 showed, we were ransomed, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. It's through the mediating work of Jesus Christ that we are restored to God's favor, that we may live in communion with Him. It is meaningful that Aaron's staff sprouted, budded, blossomed, and bore fruit. It pictures the fullness of Christ's work for us and in us. It's good for us to consider the effect of Christ's work on our hearts and lives, and on the hearts and lives of our children. This morning we will see three covenant children baptized. As we read the form for baptism, we're reminded that they are conceived and born in sin. But God makes glorious promises to them. Promises to redeem and renew them. Promises that are based on Christ's work for us and in us. Consider that work as pictured in Aaron's staff, a dried stick made alive again. First there is the sprouting. It's a sign that life has returned to a dead branch. Jesus is alive, and we who believe are made alive with him. Without Jesus, we are like dead sticks. We're literally dead men walking. But when we come to put our faith and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord, we come to share in his life. Secondly, Aaron's staff produced buds. Buds speak of promise and potential. 
There's something special about the almond tree. It's the first of the trees to blood, to bud and to, and to flower in spring. And so Jesus' new life is a promise of things to come. It marks a new season of life and growth. Spiritually, that applies to us. The Bible often presents us as trees. And God expects us to bear fruit to the glory of His name. The only way that we're able to do this is when Jesus works new life in us by His Spirit. He helps us to grow and to develop that more and more we may glorify God in all we say and do. The flowers of the almond tree not only speak of potential, but also of beauty. A flowering almond tree in full bloom in early spring is a glorious sight. The white flowers are a picture of purity and splendor. As such, the almond tree is a picture of the glory, of the beauty, of the risen Christ. When John describes him in Revelation 1, he pictures Jesus' face. He says it was like the sun shining in full strength. We are Christ's image bearers. By the power of His Spirit, He is changing us so that we're no longer conformed to the sinful ways of this world, but so that we're transformed and may live holy lives to the glory of God. Christ is sanctifying us so He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Like an almond tree in full bloom, Christ makes us beautiful. Finally, Aaron's staff produced ripe almonds. A formerly dead stick produced fruit. Christ did that through his death and resurrection. By his death, he has paid the price for our sins. By his resurrection, he raises us up to new life. He has poured out his spirit upon us. By his spirit and word, Christ is at work in us. Not just bringing us to a living faith in him, but also changing our lives working in us so that more and more we put to death the works of the sinful flesh. Working in us so that more and more we put on Christ. We bear fruit to the glory of His name. You see, beloved, a command, you shall not grumble, is never going to put a stop to our grumbling and complaining the law does a good job of pointing out our sins and shortcomings. It makes it clear we need someone to rescue us from our sins, someone to work new life in us. But it's only through the gospel that God works this new life in us. Jesus is our mediator who ransomed us and was thereby restored us to fellowship with God. He has given us His Spirit to work new life in us so that we can live holy lives to God's glory. He helps us to know that God is gracious and good. It's Jesus, only Jesus, who makes it possible for us to fulfill 
our chief purpose in life to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing from Psalm 34, stanzas 4, 5, and 7.